You're listening to a podcast from 702. 702. The Car Feature with Nicole Lowe. 20 minutes to 3 o'clock. It is time for The Car Feature with Nicole Lowe. And we're taking your calls on 011-8830702. The WhatsApp line 0727021702. And your guys, before I talk to Nicole, I just have to let you know something. Ne? Before uh, JC left studio, he clarified for me that if it says 25% chance rain, do you know what it actually means? It means 25% of the area will get rain. Not that there's a 25% probability of rain. Can you imagine? Nicolo, I know you didn't know that. Definitely not. I don't <laughs> agree with it. <laughs> so for you, you also thought it means there's a 25% probability of rain. Yeah, no, it doesn't make really sense to me. <laughs> I think 75% it won't rain. <laughs> It just means 25% of the area will rain, but you you don't know if it's your area or not. So just always treat it like you it might rain today. I think I'll stick to the car stuff. <laughs> All right, Nicole. So speaking of car stuff, um, we need to talk cruise control for those that are fortunate enough to be driving vehicles and maybe start by explaining to us what it is and if it is beneficial in um, saving on fuel. Yes, so we all know what flight flight tickets cost these days. So I think there's a lot more people that will be driving down to the coast uh, this year than before, if they can afford it. Um, The question now is, do you need to use cruise control to save fuel, or will it save fuel or not? Um, So just to clarify, cruise control is obviously the system in the vehicle that will stick to a speed that you that you set it to. So hopefully that will be the speed limit and then the car will continue at that speed without you touching the accelerator. If you then obviously touch the brake, then the system will kick out and you're in full control again. Um, you also get adaptive cruise control, which is the one that's followed the car in front of you at a fixed distance, but that's not the one we're going to discuss today. It's just the normal cruise control. Mm. So if you're driving through the Karoo and it's flat, um, it's all about energy. So it doesn't matter if you say you're doing 120 kilometers per hour in cruise control or you're doing 120 uh, kilometers per hour without cruise control. Obviously, you use the same amount of energy, so it's the same amount of fuel. The problem lies with if you're not on cruise control, you get it that your, your foot starts sinking in a bit. Now you're doing 130 or 140. You say, oops, I'm too fast. You let go again. Now you drop to like 110. And then it is a cyclic speed behavior. And obviously that, that wastes energy and it wastes fuel. So in that scenario, when it's a flat road, you're driving through the Karoo, setting it to a, a specific speed, it will actually save you a bit of fuel, I believe. Yeah, Um, and I think what you're explaining is that we don't notice that when we're driving long distance, you you do also like rest your foot, take it off, put it back on, rest. So so you you might find yourself burning more fuel than if it just stays consistent. Exactly. And um, you can also find that once you start driving for a long time, you start driving faster and faster. So it's not only fuel, it was also the, the, the speeding fines that will cost you a lot of money if you're not on cruise control. So be careful of that one. But there is a scenario where cruise control might use more fuel than being not on cruise control. And that is when you, you reach a hilly area with a lot of steep inclines and declines. So if, you, if you're in a hilly area, remember that vehicle, if it's a standard cruise control, it's not linked 
to GPS or anything. It's just trying to keep the car at constant speed. So imagine you set the speed to 120, now you get to this massive uphill. So what the vehicle will now try to do is keep it at 120. So if it's an automatic vehicle, it will start kicking down the gears. It will start revving up the engine, even up to the red line. It will do everything in its power to try to keep to 120. Now, obviously, if you, especially in a car without a lot of power, down, it's, it's, you're going to use a lot of fuel to try to, to go up that hill at 120. If you're driving that vehicle not on cruise control, you might feel that, listen, I'm, I'm actually I'm, I'm flat to the floor. I'm, I'm going to use a lot of energy going up the hill. I will sacrifice some speed. So I will rather let the speed drop to 110 or 100 or even 90, but not use the full power available to me to try and stick to 120. Mm. In that sense, you will actually save a bit of fuel going up the hill, being not on cruise control. And also remember when you when you actually crest the hill, um, if you're not on cruise control, you can see okay, but there's a big downhill coming. I might as well just tap off now, um, because I will increase in speed on the other side. So again, I can sacrifice a bit of speed uh, cresting the hill because I know I'll get it back on the other side. The cruise control system doesn't know it. So it will hit 120 uphill, it will stay 120 on the crest, and now it reaches the downhill and it will have to start braking. Okay, most of the time it will probably have to brake by itself. Cruise control doesn't normally brake for you. Um, so again, on the hilly sections, I would recommend, if you want to save fuel, rather not drive on cruise control, but when you're on the flats through the Karoo, cruise control might uh, save you a bit of money. Okay, and I think those are things to definitely um, think about. Um, but, Nickel, what I found find fascinating, maybe kind of linked to the part about cruise control, but not necessarily the fuel consumption part, is that some of these cars are so smart that they even notice if you start veering into other lanes. So I know with the, the Volvo um, CX60 and 90 or one of those models, it is at such a level that the car can pretty much drive itself. And then when it picks up that uh-uh, you're not driving consistently, it actually forces you to stop. Yeah, so we've got all these safety systems in the cars bolting, especially the modern luxury cars, and that's all on the way to autonomous driving. So that's the end goal, to have a car that will be able to drive itself. But they talk about the bolting blocks to get there. Mm. So the bolting blocks to get to autonomous driving, what you're talking about is a lane departure. First of all, you get lane departure warnings. So I've got a camera scanning the lines on the road. It actually detects when you go over a line, and it can either just uh, warn you audibly, or it can actually start steering the car back into lane. So some of these modern cars will actually steer the car back into lane, which is quite frightening if you're not used to the system. Yes, um, <laughs> because it's yes. like, am I driving or am I not driving? Exactly. And then um, some of the cars actually allow you, or it will actually steer the car. They talk about level two autonomous driving. So some of these luxury cars, they, if you're on a motorway and there's good lines on either side, it will actually keep the vehicle in lane as long as you touch the steering wheel. So it's got a sensor on the steering wheel that detects your hands on the steering wheel. And don't try to fool it with gloves and so on. It wants your actual hand on the steering wheel. Um, and then it will keep it in lane. It will actually steer the car for you. I've actually tried it. If you take your hand off, 
and I'll talk about the Mercedes S-Class, BMW 7 Series, those kind of vehicles, it will actually stay in lane, and but later on it will warn you to put your hands back on the steering wheel and so there's a timer, and after the timer it will, the system will deactivate if you don't touch the steering wheel. Obviously, don't want you to sit back and start reading a book while the car is driving itself. <laughs> You're still in control. Yes. But in, we'll, we, we will reach eventually the technology. I mean, Tesla is doing it as a couple of car manufacturers that they've got full autonomous driving. The problem is more uh, legislation. And mm. so the technology is there. The cars can drive themselves. But the problem is, if an accident happens, who's to blame? Is it the automaker? Mm. Is it the vehicle? Person, so it becomes almost more a legal issue than a technology issue. The technology is there; it's ready. All right, Nicole Lowe is going to be available to all of you. O double one double eight three o seven o two. The WhatsApp line o seven two seven o two one seven o two. All of your technical car questions, any challenge that you are finding, make sure that when you call through, you give as much information as possible so Nicole can advise you. O double one double eight three o seven o two seven o two. The car feature with Nicole Lowe. Nine minutes uh, to uh, three o'clock and we're chatting to Nicole Lowe in our car feature. And we are standing by to take all of your technical car questions. O double one double eight three oh seven oh two in the WhatsApp line. O seven two seven oh two one seven oh two. Let's go to Darren in Ravonia. Hi, Darren. Hi, how are you doing? Good, thanks. And you? Great topic. Um, I just want to let you know that uh, this autonomous driving is not only available on expensive cars. Um, I'm the driver of a Polar TSR, which has got lane assist, mm. driver assist, steering assist, everything that was mentioned there by Nicole. Um, it comes standard in my Polar. Oh, nice, nice. Okay, I wasn't aware yes. of that. And I'm sure there are many Polo drivers who are like, baby, now that they're hearing you <laughs> saying that on but radio. What he, said about, what he said about it being a little bit weird when you first start out, that yes. is sure it. You have to get used to it, especially when it's taking the corner going through the Lulis Interchange. <laughs> nice, nice. I mean, Nickel, um, so you don't have to be driving the super, super expensive cars. No, it's true. The technology is filtering down to the, the more, um, to let's call it normal cars that we can buy. That is true, but we see the innovation happening normally at a high-end level. That's where we experience it first, and then it comes down to the normal cars we buy. So it's true. So eventually all the cars will have the building blocks. Um, some of the other building blocks we didn't talk about is, for, for example, autonomous uh, braking. If somebody uh, goes in front of you, the car will brake for itself. So there's a couple of other building blocks that you all need. You put all those blocks together, you've got an autonomous driving car. So that's true. All right. Um, Darren, are you the type of person that would sit, you know, the the ones that we are seeing being tested abroad where you'd sit like, in the back seat and allow the car to just drive you with no one in it. Are you comfortable enough to do that? Me? Yes. No, I wouldn't. I need to be behind the steering wheel. <laughs> so you'll let it Even help you. driving itself. <laughs> you'll let it bring you back into the, the lane, but not to where you trust it completely to drive you. Trust me, when the auto brake goes off, you get a fright. 
Okay, okay. Now I'm getting nervous about driving this. Darren, you're giving me anxiety. Um, Nickel, I mean, while we are um, just still gathering uh, all of the callers and the questions that are coming through, I'm going to just take advantage of this. How far is the technology from what you know, you know, just to it reaching to South Africa, where we are going to get to the point where it is a completely driverless experience? I think it will take some time. Um, I don't think we're that close yet. Uh, the systems are there. They all seem to work fine. Um, the problem is also you need uh, very good road signs as well. You need the lines painted everywhere. Some of these systems need, need those kind of things to function. They all work on GPS as well. I've personally been um, in a Mercedes S-Class that was brought over from Germany to test autonomous driving. And we actually went through Chapman's Peak here in Cape Town on autonomous driving. So the engineer was sitting behind the steering wheel and he didn't steer. And he said some of the confusing things for the system was that, for for example, we use red lines next to the road in South Africa for no stopping, which you don't get in Europe. So the system was completely confused with that. Um, And also some of the bends were a bit tight uh, for the system to handle at the time, and I'm talking about probably like uh, five to eight years ago, I'm sure the system is much better. Yes. Um, so the, the technology is there. There's some challenges in South Africa, um, but I'm sure we'll, we'll reach that at some point, but I don't foresee it in the next five years, definitely not. Well, they need to fix the potholes first. Let's start there. You know, maybe then they need to work on, um, I don't know, how those cars are going to be uh, avoiding um, potholes. Let's go to Mike in Sun City. Hi, Mike. How are you? Hello. Yes. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Go ahead. Yes. I just I want to ask you, what type of water must you use in your car? Tap water or rainwater or what type of water? Because the tap water has a lot of chloride in it. Mm, that's a good question. Did you get that nickel? He was a bit faint. Yes, I got that. So you're talking about the cooling system. So you would normally have your, your coolant as well, your what we call antifreeze. Um, depending on the, the vehicle you use, they will specify a certain uh, antifreeze which need to be mixed with water at a certain percentage. That will all be on the bottle as well. Um, we don't want water that is full of impurities. So maybe we should use mineral water. That's maybe a bad, not a bad idea. Um, it all depends on where you live, I suppose, how clean the tap water is. I, I, I personally think tap water is not a problem, but if you want to go the extra mile, maybe military uh, mineral water might be a good idea. And those are things that we don't really think much about because we just trust that when we are um, um, at the gas station and they are saying, can we check oil and water and they fill up water, we don't even know where that water is coming from. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, um, I think in South Africa, we lack in the sense that uh, if the municipality in your area is doing its job well, our tap water is actually not in a bad state. All depends on where you live, I suppose. Definitely. Uh, but yeah, good point. You don't want you don't want water full of impurities in your cooling system. Um, there's a question that's asking: How safe is the cruise control? Can it cause an accident? So there's a lot of safety surrounding cruise control in the sense that if you touch the brake pedal, the cruise control system will deactivate by itself. Um, so there is a safety system built in to try and, and, and protect. Obviously, if you fall asleep, you'll have an accident, which is, which is unfortunate. Um, but, uh, for example, even your brake pedal has got two switches on it, not only one. 
So if it detects either one of those switches, detects the movement, the cruise control system is deactivated. If you're a manual car, you touch the clutch, uh, mostly the cruise control system will deactivate. Um, so there is a few features to, to prevent accidents. So I think the, the worst case will be like a runaway vehicle that will keep accelerating. Um, but as I say, that's mostly for the movies. <laughs> I was about to say, why would a vehicle be running away? But hey, you never know what type of emergencies people get into. Masala on Twitter says, they mostly use technology from a company called Mobile Eye, and we have tested it on electric bus. And to a large extent, it works on clearly marked roads, not so well on most regional and municipal roads. So just reiterating what it was that you were sharing, Nickel. Uh, very quickly, Bafedile, go ahead. Hello? Yes, go ahead, very quickly. Hi, yes, Kilo Kilo. So I, my car is giving me issues. I've changed the light bulbs at the back several times. I've also bought diffuse. The um, indicator lights, they keep switching off. It's like there's a short because the car was in the um, Devon flood. So I'm not sure exactly where the issue is coming from because I've took it to two mechanics already. They can't also indicate exactly where the, the issue is. Okay, so if the light bulbs keep blowing, there's definitely a short, uh, you're right. And uh, an auto electrician, it's not a normal mechanic, an auto electrician would be able to, to know what is going on. There might be a ground wire or a live wire, live wire that's touching the body or something in that area, and that will cause a spike and it will cause the, the globe to go. So there's definitely a short somewhere. It's the electrical system uh, supply, the, the, the power supply to that light bulb sockets just need to be investigated. All right, Bafedi Le, thank you so much for that question, and I hope you're able to get some assistance. That's the car feature with Nicolo.